Jesus. Jesus. There's something about the name Jesus. Oh, how I love him. Jesus, Jesus, when I'm nervous, Jesus, when I'm hurting, Jesus, how do you know the one word prayer, Jesus? Jesus, I need you right now. Holy Spirit, we need you right now. There's a word from you. But it won't get done unless you do it. Do what you do, Holy Spirit. Do what you do. It's in Jesus' name. We bless you. Amen. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. I give honor to God, to your pastor in his absence, to all the preachers of the gospel that share this task to this choir who never has a bad day. Thank you to the members and friends and to, to the children of God. Again, good morning. We're gonna go to the Old Testament today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to do whatever is your custom during this time and read along with me. We're going to the book of Exodus. Exodus 33, we're going to start at verse 1. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but Exodus 33, starting at verse 1. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abram, Isaac and Jacob saying, to your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Prezerite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come into your midst in one moment and consume you now. Therefore, take off your ornaments, and I may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Arab, and so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. I'm in verse 11. As a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, a young man, did not repart from the tabernacle. Verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Verse 13, now therefore, I pray, 
If I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I might found grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15. Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Skipping down to verse 18, he being Moses said, please show me your glory. And then God said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But God said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live and the Lord said here is the place by me you shall stand on the rock and it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by for the time that is ours today I'm gonna speak on the subject keep going you may be seated Keep going. For anyone who knows me, and you may have heard me say this before, I grew up in the brotherly and sisterly love, the city of Philadelphia. And everybody who knows me knows that though I am a Delta, I bleed green for the Eagles, and that everything about me, got my fellow Eagles fans in the crowd, and everything about me speaks Philly. Except, except for the 14 summers that I spent in Troy, Alabama. Anybody up north knows they have a grandmother or an aunt down south, and during the summer, your parents used to send you to the south. So my daddy is from the Troy, Alabama. Do you know how hot it is in Alabama in August? It's about 402 degrees in Alabama in August, and my grandmother didn't have an air condition. Lord bless her, she lived to 104 years old with no medications and no diseases, no dementia, nothing. She had a gun and no air condition. But it's hot in August in Alabama, and so one of the great joys that we got to used to do is go swimming. Now, I didn't learn how to swim till I was 10 years old. And I remember the day. My cousin, who lived in Troy, Alabama, and the only other thing in Troy, Alabama besides the heat is Troy University, if you know anything about it. And so he went to Troy University and he decided he was gonna teach me how to swim. And so he picked my dad, my brother, and myself up and we get ready to go to Troy University, and I was gonna learn how to swim. Now, it's 502 degrees, <laughs> and it's August in Alabama, and we're going to swim. Now, most of you now teach your kids the proper way to swim. You have flotation devices, they get swim lessons, there's a swim instructor, yeah, no. Uh, not in Troy, Alabama in the 90s. There was no swimming structures, no flotation devices, just me, my dad, my uncle, and my brother, uh, my cousin and my brother. And so we get there, and I was a little rebellious at that age. 
And so, you know, the Lord's still working on me. So instead of waiting for instructions, I decide I'm just going to jump in. You know, it's 590 degrees. It's August. It's Alabama. I'm going to swim. I can do this. I jump in. So after the near drowning, because uh, I did almost drown, and they had to rescue me, that was it for me in the pool. So I thought. The next day, my, my cousin comes back, and he says, okay, Lisa, you're going to go swimming today? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. And my dad said, yep, get your towel. Now, if you know anything about black Baptist preachers from Alabama, they're not going to let a little thing called death teach, stop them from teaching you a lesson. In the, in the heart of Kevin Hart's, you're going to learn today. So I had to get back up, even though I messed up, get in this car and go back to Troy University because my dad said, you gonna learn how to swim today. And so this time I waited. We still didn't have any flotation devices. However, I waited until my dad got in the pool and my brother got in the pool. They both knew how to swim. And my cousin, I waited for him to stand right next to me. And he said, okay, they showed me how I'm supposed to kick on the side. And this time I'm listening to all of the instructions and it's 643 degrees. And I really, really want to learn how to swim. Mm, but I couldn't. Because I thought about how I almost died the day before. I thought about how I messed up the day before. I thought about all the things that could go wrong given the fact that I almost didn't make it the day before. I thought about the fact that I didn't listen to what they told me to do the day before and I got stuck. Stuck in the guilt and the fear of to swim. Have you ever been there? Have you ever messed up and then it's ready to go again and you just can't you get stuck right in that moment stuck in your head about what happened before well well this is where we find the Israelites today we see we're in chapter 33 and we hear God telling them to go but if you go back one chapter to 32 you'll find out that the Israelites had just messed up and if you've ever read anything about the Israelites you know what they did wrong. What do the Israelites do wrong every single time? They always worship another God. I don't know how many times God had to tell them, do not worship any other gods. And every single time God seems to be absent from them or they don't hear his voice, they start worshiping other gods. They, so they had Aaron make a molten calf and begin worshiping the idol. God gets winds of this and he's so mad at them. He tells them, I'm not going to go with you, but go ahead and get out of my face. Go ahead and get going because God is just sick and tired of them. But look at this. I, I had to look at it and say, the Israelites, they keep messing up. But am I that different? Are we that different than the Israelites? Well, why would they have messed up in this time? Maybe they were guilty and they didn't feel like they deserved it. You see, they had escaped slavery and they came all of this way. 
But everybody didn't make it that far. This road to the promised land was not without death, not without trouble, not without mistakes, not without sickness. So maybe they were feeling guilty. Perhaps they were still grieving some of the deaths of their loved ones. Maybe they were giving into doubt. See, this is, you know, they're they're two years on this journey. We're not even at the 40-year mark. We're still in this journey. But they thought that this was going to be a two-month thing. And now they're, you know, almost two years into it. So maybe they're giving into doubt. Maybe we're not going to make it. We've heard them say, you should have left us back there with Pharaoh. We had better food then. Or maybe they just gave up hope. Hope that they'll never make it to the promised land. Hope that this is not going to be what they thought it was going to be. But God comes in and says, keep going. There are times in our lives when we get desperate, when we are disobedient, when we may even detour from God's plan. But when such times occur, we have to trust God, heed his call, and when God says, keep going. But but look at this situation. Nothing's changed. They've still been disobedient. They've still made a mistake. They're still in the middle of the desert. And God says, keep going. And so the question that has to be asked this morning is, why should they keep going? And if you give me about 10 minutes, I'll answer that and we can be on our way to brunch. (laughs) The first reason why you ought to keep going and they ought to keep going is because God's going with you. God's going with you. Uh, So this doesn't go so smoothly for Moses, though. See, in verse 12, Moses is like, look, I heard you said that we should go in, but I still don't see the part of the plan where you tell me who's going with me. I, I mean, I heard when you said keep going. Matter of fact, Lord, if you ain't going, don't send me. And I got to feel Moses on this one. I got to understand why Moses is clapping back because the truth of the matter is I wouldn't have got this forth, Lord, if you weren't with me. I wouldn't have got till this point, God, if you didn't bring me. The way my car is set up, I'm going to need for you to drive it. Old school puts it this way. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. God, you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. You said nothing could separate me from your love. You even said if I made my bed in hell, you would be right there. So what you mean you not going to go the rest of the way? Look, God, I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll be who you want me to be. I'll talk the way you want me to talk, but only... If you're with me, I I thank you for this milk and this honey that you promised me. But if you're not there, I don't want it. I thank you for the promised land. But if you're not going to be there, I ain't going. Because it's not about what you promised me. But it's about being in your presence. It's not about what you promised me. But it's about being in your presence. So God... I'm going to go, but I'm going to need for you to go with me. You got to go. You got to go because God's going with you. 
Notice how Moses doesn't just uh, petition God to go for just himself. What do you mean? So if you look at verse 14, God gives in and says, my presence will go with you and you will have rest. But in verse 15, Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. God says, my presence will go with you and you will have rest. Moses says, hold up. If your presence is not going to go with us, don't send us. And Moses shows us what it's like to be a leader in this moment. Moses shows us what it's like to be a Christian in this society. It's not okay if God just goes with me. Because it's not okay if I'm okay, but everybody else is not. It's not okay for God just to be with the blue states. I'm going to need God to be with the red states too. It's not okay for God just to be with the U.S. I'm going to need God to go ahead and look out for the people in Syria. I'm going to need God to be with the people in Russia. I'm going to need God to be in Somalia. Because it's not okay if I'm okay, but everybody else is not okay. So it's not okay for Muslims to be banned, but as a Christian, I walk through. Because it's not okay if I'm okay, but everybody else isn't okay. Moses wants God to not just be with him, but to be with everybody else. And that's a word for us today, especially in this climate. God is not just the God of Fairfax. God is not just the God of the United States, but God is the God of this universe. And if we're gonna keep going, we need God to be with everybody. We ought to keep going because God's going to but we also got to keep going because God's just been gracious. Turn to your neighbor and say gracious. Let's run this back. Let's run this back. God's given the Israelites everything they need. They got manna. They got rain. They have a cloud for protection and to regulate the heat. They have fire at night. They have light. God's even given them the battle. He told him the angel was going to go before him. So all they have to do is show up. And how many times in your life has God been gracious enough that all you had to do was just show up? Your resume not a might fit the job description, but all you had to do was show up. You didn't know how you were going to pay for college, but all you had to do was just show up. You didn't know what that doctor was going to say when they give you the report, but all you did was show up, and God was gracious enough to do the rest. Oh, God gave them everything they needed in his graciousness. But he didn't just give them what they needed. He gave them and then some. See, see, in verse 5, God says, now take off your ornaments so that I know what to do with you. Ornaments? What are ornaments? Wait a minute. You're in the middle of the wilderness. You're relying on water and heat from God. 
You don't even have your regular housing situation set up and you got jewelry? I mean, you bling blinging in the middle of the desert? Where they do that at? God gave them everything and then some. But that's not the only way God's been gracious. I just told you that in verse 32, they decided to make a golden calf and worship that idol. But in verse, but in chapter 33, God says, keep going. So they made a mistake, but their promise is still waiting on them. They messed up in chapter 32, but in chapter 33, God is saying, keep going. Oh, they misstepped, but God comes back and reorders their step. Because God's love outweighed God's anger that even when we made a mistake and even when we're broken, he still blesses us because he's gracious. And I, I, I know that everybody here has done what they're always supposed to do, but, but can I just be honest for a second? Because I've messed up. In fact, I've been a whole hot mess. I found myself in some messy situations, but God didn't let that mess mess up my promise. I, I made some mistakes, but God in his graciousness came back and say, that's okay. Just like if I was a toddler and I fell down, God just picked me back up and said, that's okay, baby, keep going. I haven't always done what I'm supposed to do. And I'm not talking about BC, I'm talking about AC. I haven't always been where I'm supposed to been, but God in his graciousness, let his love outweigh his anger. He blessed me and told me to keep going. But that's not, that's not the only way we see God's graciousness. Somebody say, God is gracious. In verse 11, it says that Moses talked to God face to face like a friend. But in verse 20, it says, no man shall see my face and live. I'm so confused because it says in verse 11, Moses talked to God face to face like a friend. But in verse 20, it says, no man shall see my face and live. And I looked at the translation in Hebrew. I tried to do my study, but it's still the same word for face in both verses. So I was so confused because in verse 11, it says that Moses was talking to God face to face like a friend but in verse 20 it says no man shall see my face and live we know that Moses really did talk to God face to face it backs it up in numbers 8 because God God self said that Moses talks to me face and face to Aram and Miriam we know that in Deuteronomy because it says that God's talking to Moses face to face so how come Moses Moses talks to God face to face and lives. It made me so confused. But, but, but God answers my question because God keeps talking. In verse 19, it says God gives compassion to whom he wants to give compassion to and grace 
to, he wants to give grace to. Uh, so the reason why Moses can see God's face and still live is because God decided to be gracious enough to do that. Uh, and we are like Moses. Uh, we've seen some things that should have killed us, uh, but we're still here. We've seen some things that we should have lost our mind, uh, but we're still here. We've seen racist presidents before, but we're still here. We've seen unjust law and attorney generals before, but we're still here. We've seen heartbreak before, but we're still here. We've seen some people die along the way, and we got the same thing that should have killed us, but we're still here because God is gracious. God, God is just too gracious for us to stop now. God's been too good to us for us to give up now. God's been too gracious for us to just quit on the job now. So we must keep going. We got to keep going because God's been gracious. And we got to keep going because God's going with us. But lastly, we got to keep going because God shows us a glimpse of his glory. God shows us a glimpse of his glory. Moses asked God to see God's glory, and you know what? God showed it to him. Get that that in of itself is an amen and a shout. But 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 before we shout about the glory that was shown, I, I want you to note exactly where the glory was shown. No, no. See, see, the glory was not shown in Canaan. <laughs> the glory was not shown after they got to the promised land. No, no, no. They were still right there in the middle of the wilderness. It, he didn't wait until they left where they are to show the glory. He didn't wait until your heart was healed to show his glory. He didn't wait until the test results were negative to show his glory. He didn't wait until the storm passed to show his glory, but God showed Moses his glory right where he was, right in the middle of nowhere, right in the middle of the wilderness, right in the middle of their mistake and in their mess up. And I'm so glad to serve a God who'll meet me right where I am and show me a glimpse of his glory. Sometimes it's right in the middle of the courtroom and sometimes it might be in the exam room. Sometimes it's when your business and bank account is still in the, with the foreclosure no, notice on the door in the middle of the operating room. God will show up and give you a glimpse of his glory. So you know what? Since God didn't wait, neither am I. I'm not going to wait since to say hallelujah. I'll say hallelujah right now. I'm not going to wait till it's all said and done to shout. I shout right now. I'm not going to wait to say thank you. I'll say thank you, God, right now. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for showing up and showing out. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for loving me. I shout right now. Hallelujah, God. Thank you for your glory. I'm done. 
I'm done. I just, I just want to tell you how my story ended. And then I, then I sit down. So, so I told you that I was learning how to swim. So, so after I decided that I was going to go ahead and do this, because it was 900, 900 degrees outside, and I decided I was going to try this, it's now or never. So I did what everybody does when they're about to go swimming. You know what you do when you get up to the pool or to the beach and do what everybody does when I'm about to go swimming. I walk up to the water and I dip my foot in the water so that I get a sense of how cold the water is. It was a thousand degrees outside and I wanted to swim. So I did what everybody else is about to do. I put, I put my foot in the water so I get a little taste of what the water felt like. You know, I, I, and after I got a taste of what the water felt like, because it was 1,200 degrees outside, and the water felt so good, I jumped right in. I didn't want to get out for the rest of the day. Because once you get a taste of what it feels like, you, you can't help but to jump in. Once you get a sense of how good it feels, you, you got to go all in. Y'all still think I'm talking about Alabama pool water. But once you get a taste, a glimpse of the glory in God, how could you not keep going? Oh, taste and see. Oh, I know I'm in Bible territory. That the Lord is good. How could you not go all in after getting a glimpse? Now that I got a glimpse, I know that greater is coming. Now that I got a glimpse, I know that my latter days will be better than my former days. Now that I got a glimpse, I can get through this thing. Now that I got a glimpse, I got a little joy for my journey. Now that I got a glimpse, I know everything's going to be all right. Now that I got a glimpse, I know that weeping may endure for a night. But joy, oh joy, joy, oh joy, joy will come in the morning. Now that I got a glimpse, I know that trouble won't last always. So I got to keep going. I got to keep going because God is gracious. I got to keep going because God's going with me. And I got to keep going because I got a glimpse of his glory. Keep going. Whatever you do, keep going. 